Hey, this is Noah Fritchie, and I'm the lead pastor of Real Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. It's Vision Weekend, and I'm not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into the scriptures this morning. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to Exodus 14. We're going to be looking at a guy named Moses, and uh, he's a He's a great biblical man. You've probably heard of Moses, whether you've been a religious person or not. You've probably heard of a guy named Moses. That's who we're looking at today. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, that's uh, turn to Exodus chapter 14. Here's, I'm going to start this verse. Uh, you can, you've got it on your handout, and you can read it on the screen up here along with me. Here's what Exodus 14 says. <coughs> In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to start coughing during this message. i got a water back there. So uh, I, it says... Exodus 14, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. But here's the good news. Moses said, answer the people, and Moses, on his big speech, he says this. He says, do not be afraid, but say it with me. Say, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that will bring you today. The Egyptians you have seen today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through on dry ground. I know that's a lot of scripture up front. I wanted to read that up front for you today. We're going to dive into this deeper. But <coughs> here we are today. I want to take a moment this morning to preach to you a message, and, and not just a message, but a theme that I believe is going to be for our church moving forward. Here is the theme. The theme is stand firm. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand firm. Turn to the one that you didn't like and say, stand firm. Your second choice and say, stand firm, all right? Y'all got a second choice. I know it. I, I do too. So <laughs> I, I love when pastors make me say something. Yeah, I just go, yeah. So, some of you did that. I saw you. So it's all right. But we're, we're talking about standing firm. Hey, I don't, I, let, let's just take a moment. I would just love to pray as we begin this message, and let's take, take a moment and pray. Father, we just thank you so much that you have brought us to where we are today. God, it, it is not, we have done nothing without you, and God, we look to you to give us vision for the next year. God, we pray that you would help us to stand firm in every area of our life, and I thank you that you're going to reveal your word to us this morning. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Hey, as I told you, next weekend is our anniversary weekend. We began about a year ago. We began officially about a year ago uh, here in uh, this theater. But before that, hey, we were having church meetings at our old office across the street. Uh, in fact, I, it, was just, uh, it, it was just within the week uh, that we had to give up our office. And uh, it was kind of a sentimental moment for us. So don't be looking for us, by the way, across the street. We've, got, we've only got our new building now, so we're we're, we're standing firm, and we're moving forward, and, uh, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of background that, you know, we started officially a year ago, but we've been talking about this church for a little while now, and, uh, 
and trust me, we, we would still meet in that office, or, or we would still meet on my kitchen table, but that's gotten a little too small, everybody. So, so that's why we're here, and that's why we're moving forward. But next week, we're going to celebrate that. And before we get to our anniversary date, and before we celebrate that next week, I just felt it appropriate to kind of get us all together and really talk about the vision for the church for the next year. That as we step into the next year of our church life, where are we going? What, what are we doing? And, and where are we going in the next year? And I know you're probably like, well, <coughs> Pastor No, I usually set my goals in January. Like, like usually that's when people set their goals, which that's great. For January, that is for most people their new year, but for our new year starts in October. And so that, that's, why we're, that's why we're here, and, uh, and, that's, and that's why we're talking about vision. Can I tell you that vision is important? Vision is very, very important. In fact, I could talk to you weeks and weeks and weeks, and, and uh, hey, we could just, all 52 Sundays out of the year, I could teach you about vision. Like, that's how important vision is. In fact, the Bible says that without vision, the people perish. And I don't know about you, but I don't want this church going anywhere. And I don't want to see you perish, everybody. So we need some vision for our life so that we can move forward. Can I tell you another thing that vision does? Vision gives your pain a purpose. Like, like so many of you, you would, you would be going farther and you, would be going, and you would be going stronger if you knew the reason why you were going through what you're going through. So like vision gives pain a purpose. If you had a vision for your pain, you might actually start enduring it. And what I've actually learned is that, and not only, not only about that, but I've also learned that direction is more important than speed. And I've just recently learned this, everybody. Like, I love going fast. Like, my favorite thing to do is push people to their limit and go fast and get it done, everybody. That's what I love doing. And <coughs> but what I've learned is that direction is more important than speed. And so here's what I know is that I love going fast, but if you go fast in the wrong direction, you begin to go nowhere fast. You can, get to, you can get to the opposite. You can be going fast in the wrong direction, but when you do that, you're not going anywhere. You're just getting, you're farther, you're farther out than where you were. And so, so vision, it does that. Vision actually creates guardrails, and it helps you know what is important and what is not important. That's what vision does. And as a church, I know that we can't do everything. But we, ha but we can do some things. Like, like we can't meet every need in this city, but we can meet some of them. And so it's important that we know the something that God has called us to do. It's important that we know that. And this year, I believe that God has prompted us with some big initiatives. And honestly, when I announce some of these initiatives for our church, um, I honestly, some of them, I have no idea how we're going to do it. Like I, have, I just am going to have faith that it's going to get done. But honestly, some of them, I have no idea how we're going to do it. But what I do know is that the church is not about perfection. It's about progress. And so we're not about making things perfect around here. It's about just taking some steps forward. And that's what we're going to do. That's the vision of this church. In fact, um, in, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to put on the calendar a team night. Many of you have, have attended a team night before. And uh, honestly, the team nights are just like the church's business meeting, like but if we called it the business meeting, nobody would go, everybody. Like, so we call it a team night, and we have a little bit of fun. But what I want to encourage you to do is that when we announce that date for the team night, we're going to get uh, deep into these topics, and uh, we're going to talk about how they actually work. So if you're interested in joining in any of these things I'm going to put on the screen, make sure to join us for that next team night. We will let you know when that is uh, very soon. But <coughs> Excuse me, everybody. But this year... 
I believe that God has led us in six different ways and six different areas really to put our focus towards. And uh, you might be saying, well, Pastor Noah, how do I put my focus towards something? Well, here's how you put your focus towards something. Here's how we as a church are going to put our focus towards it. Our, out of these six initiatives, here's what we're going to do. First, we're going to pray about them. Like, we're, we're going to seek God in prayer about each and every one of these initiatives. Here's the second thing. We're going to attach some people to them. Like, we're going to pull some people, and we're going to put them in some positions to learn how we can do this and, and, and better do this. And the third way we're going to do is we're, we're going to spend money on it. Like, we're going to literally invest in some of these initiatives. And so, and so that's how we put our focus on it. In fact, if you've got your, if you've got your note-taking sheet, I just want you to mark down this date, December 15th. On December 15th, uh, it's going to be what we're calling our vision offering, where we're taking an offering that goes directly towards some of these initiatives. In fact, you probably remember it last year. It's our annual offering that is over and above our tithes. And so all the money for that offering is actually going to go straight towards uh, the acceleration of the vision. And so today, I've got six areas that I'm going to go through kind of quickly and talk about what the vision of this house is. Are you ready for them? Are you ready? Okay, hi, all right, just making sure you're still awake after those opening remarks. So here's the first thing that we are going to stand firm in is our worship team. We're gonna, we are going to create and cultivate some worship experiences. How many of you like that intro song this morning? Did anybody like it? Was it good? All right, good, good. The worship team works hard to put this stuff on. But hey, as you know, we've only got four people up here this morning. A goal for the next year is we want, to, we want to have a band, everybody. Like, that's what we want to do. We want to create and cultivate some moments that we don't have to rely on the track for. Um, that we just want to create some authentic worship moments. And so what are we going to do for this, for this worship part? We want to recruit, develop, and produce excellent worship experiences. So that's going to be a huge focus on on our team, that we are going to put our time, money, people, and resources towards our worship team. Because I believe, I mean, this, this is like the, the worship experience is the first thing that most people see about the church. And I believe that I, we need to have an excellent worship uh, a department, even, if I, if I can call it that. So here's we're, the first thing we're going to focus on is our worship team. Here's the second thing. We're going to focus on some freedom groups. For so many of you, you have no idea what a, what a freedom group is. Like you, you're like, a freedom group's an interesting name, all right? Hey, here's what I know, is that it, it, before we talk about freedom groups, I want you to know that our heart is that Sundays is for everyone. That, like, that, that, that whenever, we, whenever you're here, that you can feel comfortable inviting your friends to. Like anybody and everybody can walk through the door, and they should be able to understand what we're talking about. Like we're never going to like, one day... We're never going to, like, open the Bible to the book of Ezekiel and talk about demonology, everybody. Like, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep it seeker-friendly. We're going to be a seeker-friendly church. And so, and so because of that, I know that we can't get to some of the niche needs that are in your life. Many of you have, you have different small needs in your life that you just need freedom from. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a marriage problem. Maybe, I, I, maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe it's an emotional need uh, that you can't get met. Uh, <coughs> whatever it is, there are niche needs in every single one of your life that, we, that I can't touch and I can't preach about from the podium. In fact, if I would start preaching about your niche need from the podium, it would get real awkward, everybody. Like, you probably don't want me doing that. So anyway, that, that, so because of that, 
we, we're going to put these freedom groups together because people have different areas that they need freedom in their life. And the goal is to meet those different needs. And here's what I believe. I believe that the healthier that you get, the healthier our church becomes. And we're going to keep the spiritual health of this church up and on the rise. And that's our goal here. And so freedom groups, it's a huge discussion. I'm not going to get all into it today. But basically it is just a little bit deeper version of a small group where you connect with people who are like you, who have probably already been through the issue that you're going through or are going through the issue with you, and you're going to learn how to find freedom in that issue. Some of you, you have some serious issues that you need to go through. Some of us, it's, it's little things. Like we've talked about uh, for the past month about an addiction to social media. Like that could be your freedom group, like to get off your phone. But some of you, you have much deeper issues and, and you need some help. And that's what these freedom groups are going to provide. And what it's going to do is, is it's going to keep our church spiritually healthy. And so that's freedom groups. This one, you're probably going to applaud, and I hope somebody has a confetti cannon or something, because we're talking about our kids' ministry, everybody. So, hey, you've been a year without this. You have, and I applaud you. You are better than any other church in this area, everybody. So, <laughs> good job. Uh, but, hey, it has been a year since we've launched, and we haven't had anything really uh, specifically for kids on Sunday mornings. And uh, what we're going to do here is we are going to do, we're going to recruit, develop, pray, attach people, spend money on this thing. Like, we are going to have a kids' ministry um, <coughs> where we're going to teach on their level. And we've all, we're already working on curriculum and different things on that to where your kids are going to learn about what we're learning about on their level. And so we're excited about that, and, and, and I, I cannot wait, and I know that if I can't wait, I'm sure you can't wait either. So it, it's, it's going to be great. Uh, our kids' ministry, that is, that is our goal, is to start a great kids' ministry. Man, I want this church in Murfreesboro to be known for their kids' ministry. Like, I believe in the next generation, and... and Listen, those kids are our future, and we need to invest everything we've got into them. Listen, they've, got a hard, they've already got a hard life. I can't, I can't imagine. I haven't been out of school that long, everybody, but I can't imagine going back to school. Like, I, it, it's, it, 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 things are crazy nowadays, and we are going to invest in our kids. And here's another thing I can't, I can't wait that goes along with our kids. We're also going to invest in our students, everybody. That's what we're going to do. We are going to launch a youth group. And so I, I can't wait. I, again, it's been a whole year without this. And, and here's what I believe. I, I don't just think teenagers should be defined by the culture. I think they should find their identity in the local church. Like, I think that's where, I think that's where they should naturally be drawn to the church. And that's, that's what I want to create. And I'm telling you, it's not going to happen overnight. But that's, I, I think that's, this church should be a refuge for kids and students alike. That they know that they can go and find a safe place and they can find a home in this church. And that's, that's what I want. And so I, I cannot wait. I, can't, I, I want this church to be a launching pad for teenagers. That they would go in and, and they would feel like we resource them. And, and they feel like they can, they can have a place to belong. And that they can be sharpened in this church. Like, like that's the type of youth group that I want. And can I tell you that I don't think it's going to look like anything else around here. I think we're going to make our own model. I think it's going to be super unique. I cannot wait. Uh, it's something that we're developing. It's something that I want us to see within the next year. Is anybody excited about the next generation?
Obviously, that one's close to my heart. I was a youth pastor for such a long time. I, 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 love, I love youth group. It's, some of you, you need to join a youth group and, uh, and learn some things from them. You could, you could learn a lot in <laughs> just, a, just a short time. So they're, they're fun to work with, kids and youth. And here's the next one. We are going to be a church that makes disciples. I feel like this is something that, uh, especially because of the campus we're in and, 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 and the location where we're at, uh, because we don't have a permanent location, it's harder for us to do. But here's what I know. I know that we need a process, and, we, and honestly, we're working on it to make disciples. And I just, wanna, I just want you to know that on the back side of this, I'm working on a vision and a process on how we can make disciples. Like, when you ask the question, what does a disciple of real church look like? Honestly, right now, we don't have an answer. By the end of this, we are going to have an answer. You are going to know how to get into a discipleship path and how to grow as a disciple of Christ. And here's what I know. I know that there's a lot of people who believe in Jesus. Like, there's a lot of people who believe in Jesus just in this area, but they're not a disciple. They don't have any idea what a disciple even means. And so what we're going to do is we're going to create a process, and we're going to make some disciples, everybody. We're going to get you to work in ministry. Like, and, and some of you think, oh my gosh, I don't want to have to set up and tear down. Like, no, that's not what it means to work in ministry. You have a specific ministry. You've got spiritual gifts. Every single one of you, I promise you, you have a spiritual gift. But for so many of us, we don't know it, and because we don't know it, we can't use it. And so that's where we're at. We're going to have a process that makes disciples. And here's the last one, and you'll probably be excited about this, but we are working uh, currently... And right now on our facilities, everybody, we're getting a permanent place. It's, it's getting closer and closer. Yeah, you can applaud for that one. <coughs> we're so excited about this one. And uh, in fact, next week, I just want to invite you back. We're going to have service here. But then after service here, uh, we are going to be celebrating our birthday and our new place. And uh, it's going to be a party. Uh, we've got some special treats for you after service. Um, and hey, not only are we doing that, but we also get to baptize people next week. Like our baptismal came in. We're going to baptize people. While we're on that, if you're in here and you've been new to our church and you haven't been baptized or if you just haven't been baptized and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is time now to get baptized. You know what Jesus did when it came to baptism? Jesus <laughs> immediately, it was immediately after people were saved, they were baptized. Like, you see that all throughout Acts and the apostles, they did the same thing. As soon as they believed, they were, the Bible even says they were, they believed and were baptized. And so here's what I need you to do. If you believe, you need to be baptized. That is your next step. It's, it's your next spiritual step. So I need you to do that for me. And hey, next week, here's what I'm believing. That hey, you can sign up online, but I believe that there's going to be a lot of people coming in here next week. And they're not going to know it, but they're going to walk out these doors and get baptized. Hey. Listen, if, and if you do that, that's all right. It, we, we'll have stuff for you. Like, like it'll, it'll work. But hey, if you do know in advance, you could help us out and bring some of your own clothes. All right? So uh, <laughs> do that for us. We're going to baptize some people. that We're working on our facilities right now. In fact, I can just give you a little bit of an update. I don't got pictures because I want you to come back next week uh, for you to see it in person for yourself. But hey, we've got the, the stages being built in our auditorium. Um, we've got uh, the, the, the electric being worked on. Uh, some new walls, uh, new walls put up in the auditorium or just some fresh stuff. Um, hey, we've got 
our two front classrooms that are going to be our kids' rooms painted. We've got our mother's room painted. The carpet's going down on Tuesday. Like, it, we are moving right along. And, uh, and, and, and I, I just want to encourage you, but here's the deal. Here's what I want you to know, is that we're moving at the speed of your generosity. Like, we are moving on how generous you are uh, to this church. And honestly, here's the reality. Here's the date that you've all been asking me for a long time. Are you ready for it? I don't think you're ready for it. Are you, are you ready? You ready for it? Here's, here's our goal date. Here, here, here's where we think we're going we to be in that new building, Christmas of 2019. Is anybody excited? You better be excited. Hey, listen, Christmas of 2019, that looks like our first service. But here's what I can tell you. Here's, let, let me tell you. And, and there's, here's what someone taught me long ago. I've always been taught, like, you, you, can, you, you, have your, you have your realistic goal, but you better have a God goal, too. Like, and I'm all about these God goals, and I'm all about God meeting these goals. And, and here's the deal. You play a part in this God goal, everybody. So, listen, <coughs> I, my God goal right now, which would only happen if God intervened, and, 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 and things would have to drastically change. But, listen, I don't think we need to wait till Christmas, everybody. I don't think we need to wait till Christmas. Here's, here's what I, I think we can move in about a month earlier on November the 24th, maybe pencil it in. Hey, that is our unofficial, official uh, move-in day. But I'm telling you, this is only if God can move in a drastic way. And I'm praying, and I pray that you would just petition the throne room of heaven, that he would move and that he would give us favor and that, and that he would supply everything that we need. And not only can you pray about this, but... I, I'm telling you, it's not going to be easy. But what you can start doing right now is that if you want to see this need met, you want to send there a little bit earlier. Hey, you, you say, no, what, what can I do? Here's what you can do. Hey, if you're not tithing currently to our church, consider tithing. Like consider, consider make, making that a tithe. And hey, we've got tithing challenge cards available out there. Hey, challenge God for three months and see that something won't change. But hey, if you're, if you're not tithing, I'd encourage you to get us closer to that. Start tithing. Here's another thing that you can do. You can grab, maybe you need to give up something. Dan Pullis is the one that is, always reminds me of this. Like, he, give up something. Maybe, maybe it's your morning coffee in the morning. Maybe it's just something. All, I see a lot of you that go to Casey's in the morning. So maybe you just need to give up that donut. It'll probably help you here, and it'll help us here. So uh, <laughs> you just... Help us out here, and uh, anyway, that, maybe you just need to give up something, and you need to sacrifice something. You need to, you need to put some money back and, and help us see this vision forward. Let me give you another idea. Maybe you're doing both of these things. Maybe you need to just give an offering above your tithe, like give something that is above your tithe. Can I tell you an easy way for you to have an idea on what we need is that, hey, if every one of you would just commit to buying a seat, like, buy a $50 seat, everybody. Like, every one of you are going to be sitting in one. If you want to do that, hey, it's $50 a seat. Maybe you just need to buy your family seat. And maybe if, if you can't, it, that's all right. I'm not, I'm not challenging you to do any of this. But I am saying that whatever you can do will help us move forward. Some of you, you have the spiritual gift of giving. Like, some of you, you can buy someone's families, all, their whole row. You can buy a whole row for yourself, whatever you want to do. But I just want to challenge you that, and I'm not going to stick on this because I know that there's so many churches that are out there constantly begging for your money. And I, I'm not doing that, everybody. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just being totally upfront and honest with you that we are moving at the speed of your generosity. So I'd encourage you, 
to get us to this date, I'd encourage you just to be generous. Just, just rely on God, and I promise, I promise, when you start giving, when you start tithing, that's why we got those tithing challenge cards. Take three months and challenge God. Say, I'm going to give my tithe and see that he won't bless you. And it's, it's a, if you don't know about those, it's a 100% money-back guarantee, everybody. I'll, pay, I'll write you a check today if you don't see God move within those three months. And so, and so I just want to encourage you to do that. And that's kind of the business side of things. But what I want to do is, before we wrap this up, I just want to give you more of that vision and, and more of what we're talking about. So we've got some projects. We've got a lot of projects to do. And we learned that what vision does is it, it creates guardrails on what is and what is not important. And honestly, as a church, it helps us understand how we spend our money and where that money goes to. And so how we can make sure, uh, how we can make sure right now is that all of us we, in this place we, that love this church, that love this community called Real, what we can do right now is we can start today budgeting for that offering in December. Or we can start giving today. And so we can learn how to steward our finances better so that we can give God his best. And especially as we come to this vision offering at the end of the year, give God his best at the end of the year. And so I want you to know that all those, all those things, there's going to be lots of meetings. There's going to be tons of meetings. And there's going to be a, a big process that goes into all of this. But hey, we're going to keep you updated as best as we can. And we're going to get through it. But today, we're talking about standing firm. We're talking about this theme of standing firm. One more time, turn to your neighbor and just say stand firm. Everything that we talk about is going to be underneath really what I believe God has spoke to us through, uh, through this message of Moses. And we read about this passage with Moses earlier, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of background about Moses. Moses, <coughs> if you don't know, this famous Old Testament char- character, and honestly, Moses was a pretty cool guy. Like, like, in fact, for Moses to be living on, on the earth was, in fact, a miracle. He was born during a Hebrew genocide where, where his mother actually put him in a basket and sent him down a river. You've probably seen a picture of that before. And, and what happens is, is that when he's in the basket floating down the Nile River, now Pharaoh's daughter actually was out there and found him. Pharaoh's daughter rescued Moses and... Uh, it ended up that Moses was raised in the Egyptian palace. And one day, he sees one of his Hebrew brothers, like he, he goes out and he sees one of his Hebrew brothers being uh, beaten as a slave in Egypt. And Moses gets so angry about it that he actually kills the man that was beating the other guy. And he has to go on the run as a fugitive. And he finds himself living in the desert. And then one day, God speaks to Moses. And, and God... In the desert, God speaks to Moses through this burning bush. And, I, and, I, and the Bible talks about that this bush was burning, but it would not burn up. So it was on fire, but it wasn't actually burning up. And out of this bush, God gives Moses a mission. God tells Moses to go back to Egypt. God goes on to tell Moses that you are the man to free my people. You're the guy who's going to free my people. And right away, Moses starts talking about his weakness. Moses tells God, he says, listen, God, I can't go. I can't go. I've got this stuttering problem. And like, what in the world would I even tell? What what would I tell Pharaoh? And and God responds. And and one of the most incredible ways God has ever responded in the Bible, in my opinion, God says to Moses, he says, he says, go tell them. Tell them that 
I am sent you. And many of you, you've heard this before. God identifies himself as the great I am. And Moses, he had no idea what God was saying. But this was actually the first time in Scripture that God was starting to define who he is. You ask me, who is God? What does that mean? Who is God? What is God's name? Can I tell you that God's name is I am whatever you need me to be. That's the God that you serve. He says that I am whatever situation, whatever thing that you need. He says that's what I am. I am whatever you need whenever you need me to be it. And that's how God identifies himself. And Moses goes on and finally obeys. And Moses goes to Egypt. And, and I can imagine him like sitting there like, like, like shivering and like so nervous. You know what I mean? When people get so nervous. And, and, and he goes up to Pharaoh and, 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 he's, and, and he goes up to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. Let my people go. And guess what Pharaoh says? You think Pharaoh just said yes? <laughs> no, you know the story. Pharaoh said, oh, basically, like, who in the world are you? No way. Like, like no, I'm not letting my people go. And, and long story short, what happens is, is that after Pharaoh says no, Moses basically said, hey, God, do your thing. And we know that story as the ten plagues, where there were ten great plagues that, that plagued Egypt. And after the ten plagues, Pharaoh says, basically, tells Moses, he says, get these people out of here. Like, I'm done. Like, I've had enough. I, you, you've basically ruined my life. Get these people out of here. So after the ten plagues, overnight, can I tell you, Moses moved about two million people out of Egypt. He moved God's people out of Egypt and headed for the promised land. And the Bible says that, that, the, that, that the Israelites actually plundered the Egyptians, that, that, they took, that the Israelites actually took the wealth of the Egyptians. And and in fact, I think it's interesting because the Bible talks about, uh, the Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is actually stored up for the righteous. And so that night that they left, they were, they, not only were they free, but they left richer than ever before. And so it's a good time. Like we're, we're getting out of slavery, we're richer than ever before, and we're on our way to the promised land. And many of us, sometimes we feel like that. Like, like we've done what, we've, what, what, what God has called us to do. And we're on our way to the promised land. But how many of you know that on your way to the promised land, you've got to go through the desert? Like on your way to God's promise, most of the time, there is a desert in between you. And it seems so much bigger than anybody else's. Like, like you've, got, you've got a huge desert to cross. And can I tell you, that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. In fact, as they made their way to the promised land, they had to go through the desert. And those people, the Israelites... They are shocked that they had obstacles in front of them. Like, they just, I guess they just thought that God was just going to give it to them that night. Like, you were going to just get to the promised land. And, and they were so upset that there were obstacles in front of them. I want you to know, and, and you know that on your way to the promised land, there's going to be some obstacles. Like, on your way to where, God, to where God wants to take you, there are going to be some obstacles for you to jump over. It's just naturally going to be that way. And, and Scripture says that for the Israelites on their way to the Promised Land, their first obstacle is they ran into the Red Sea. And guess what? They couldn't get across. And so now they're stuck at the Red Sea. And to make matters worse, here's what happens. Pharaoh's actually sitting back in Egypt. And, and Pharaoh, I can imagine Pharaoh just sitting there, if it was me, and Pharaoh's just sitting there saying, like, did I really let all these people go? 
with all of my money? Like, <laughs> like, what did I just do? And so Pharaoh gets aggravated that he let these people go. And Pharaoh says, Pharaoh gets his army and he says, go get them. He gets his soldiers and he says, go get them, boys, basically. Like, like, bring them back. And so all of a sudden, God's people, the Israelites, here they are. They've got the Red Sea in front of them. And now all of a sudden, they've got enemies behind them. Man, and I wonder how many of you, you ever feel that way. That you've got the Red Sea in front of you. You can't go forward and you've got enemies behind you. And you just can't move. And that's what the Israelites, that's, that's, the Isra- that's where the Israelites were. Can I tell you that the moment that you take a step forward, you've got obstacles in front of you and you've got enemies behind you. It's naturally what happens. And, and if you ever feel this way, you probably feel this way every time that you feel like you're moving forward. Sometimes that's just what happens. When you get a dream, when you get a vision from God, the moment that you try to step forward, there's obstacles in front of you, and there's enemies behind you. And I don't know if it's just me that that's happened to, but I've experienced it in my life. The moment that I take a step forward, the moment that I say, God, I'm listening to you, all of a sudden what happens is, is it feels like there's obstacles in front of me, and there's enemies behind me. And where do I go? And where do I go? And, and, and that's, that's, but honestly, what I've learned is that is the picture of what it is to have a vision. That's what happens when you have a God-given vision. It naturally happens. And so the Israelites, back to the Israelites real quick. The Israelites were panicked, and, and, and they're scared, and they're freaking out. And they turned to Moses, the great guy who has led them out of Egypt. He, they turned to Moses, and they say, what do we do? What in the world do they do? And in fact, the, the first thing, and, and I think it's so funny because this is just naturally how the world works, and many of you know this, is that as soon as there's an obstacle in front of you, the first thing you do is you look for someone to blame. And all of a sudden, here are the Israelites. They're just free from Egypt. Moses has just freed them from Egypt. And immediately, they look to him, and they start complaining and blaming Moses. That's just what they do. They say, Moses! Why did you take us out of here? We read that scripture earlier. Why did you take us out here to die? Don't you know that we were happy in Egypt? Can I tell you that a victim mentality always begins with you blaming other people for your problems? That's just what happens. And, 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 and here's the deal. The Israelites said, they said, I, I, I wanted to stay in Egypt. And, and they said, I didn't even want to come. I always loved Egypt. Like, like we just read that scripture and and. Do you realize how crazy it is for them to be wanting to stay in Egypt? Like, like they're begging Moses to go back to Egypt. What, I don't know if you realize this, but they were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. I'm telling you that they were starving in Egypt. They were raped in Egypt. Their, their children were sacrificed in Egypt. This was an awful place. And as soon as one obstacle gets in front of them, all of a sudden they're like, let's go back. I'd rather just go back, and, and can I tell you, it's crazy, but at the first sight of obstacles, they wanted to go back, but can I tell you this, that when you step into your future, you start to glorify your past. As soon as you step into what God has called you to do, as soon as you step away from those friends that you don't need to be around, as soon as you step away from, 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 that, from that negative person or, or from whatever it might be, as soon as you step away from them, you start to glorify what happened with them. You start to glorify how great they were. You start to glorify how great your past was. And when and in reality, it's crazy for you to do that. Like, I feel like, it's like for me when I read this story, I'm like, you guys want to go back? Like, you want to go back to such a crazy place in Egypt? The reason they wanted to go back is because they were comfortable. 
And so many of us, we love to be comfortable. But here's the problem, especially with these Egyptians. These people got comfortable with toxic. And some of you right now, you're in a situation right now where, yeah, you might be comfortable, but you're comfortable in such a toxic situation. And you don't realize it. And, and, and you didn't know that really freedom isn't free and that there's actually a price to pay. Can I tell you, to get to your promised land, you have to push past some pain. You've got to get past some pain. Can I tell you that nothing about your future is behind you. You have to move forward. You've got to move forward. And it's crazy because here are the Israelites. They're free, but they're sitting and talking like victims. They're free, but they're talking like victims. Can I tell you this? That just because you confess Jesus with your mouth doesn't mean you've actually found freedom. Like, just because you say Jesus is Lord doesn't mean you've found freedom in your life. If you want to walk in freedom, sometimes you've got to get rid of the junk in your life. Sometimes you've got to get rid of the people that you're doing life with. Sometimes you, you can't just think how you used to think. You can't just talk how you used to talk. Can I tell you that I would rather die in the desert than live shackled in Egypt? I would rather live my life in the desert, pursuing God's promise with obstacles in front of me and with enemies behind me than to, die, than to live in Egypt. I'd rather die in the desert than live in Egypt. And can I tell you that everyone is welcome here at this church, but you have to understand that if you're going to come on this journey with us, we say loud and clear that we're taking our chances in this desert. We're taking our chances moving forward. We're, we're putting some fresh vision out there. We're taking our chances in the desert because I'd rather die in the desert than live in bondage in Egypt for the rest of my life. I'd rather move forward in my, in my life than live in bondage. And I just wish, I wish some of you would agree with me. I wish some of you would agree with me. Does anybody get that? Man, that's what, we're moving forward. We're moving forward. And, and here's what we say. Here, here, here's how I'm going to say it is this, is that we honor the past, but we're committed to our future. Like, we honor what God has done in the past year, but we are committed to our future. I'm thankful for all that God did in that little office. And yeah, giving that little office up this week was very sentimental, and I'm going to miss it and everything. I'm thankful for what God has done in that office, but I know that we can't go back there. Like, although it may be kind of sentimental in my life, we can't go back there. We've got to move forward. And so, and so let's go back to the Israelites. Here's the Israelites. They're blaming Moses. And they're... And Moses is like, and I love this part of the story. They're, here they are complaining to Moses, and Moses gets kind of nervous. I can imagine Moses getting nervous. And Moses says, basically like, oh God, I got to give a speech. <laughs> like, like, here I am, I got this stuttering problem. But God, you got to give me some words to say like, oh God, you better give me a speech. Give me something. I can imagine, and, and I, I pray this sometimes, like, God, give me something to just inspire the people. Like, like let me just <laughs> inspire the people. <clears throat> and that's Moses' prayer. He wants to inspire the people. And I love what Moses says here. It says, Moses answered the people, and he said, Do not be afraid. It's like, that's a good start. <laughs> like, 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 good job. And he, says, and he says what? He says, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see Again, he says that the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Can I tell you that this is Moses' big speech? And I love it because in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of the Red Sea in front of them and their enemies behind them, 
here's what Moses says. Moses says, be still. He says, stand firm. And <coughs> if I was with the people and with Moses, and this was Moses' big speech, man, I would probably be like, hey, man, stand firm, be still. What about like, like an active verb, somebody? Like, like, like we need some action going on here. Like we've got people after us, behind us, and we've got obstacles in front of us. Moses, give us something to do. Like, like some of you came to Vision Sunday today, and you're like, stand firm. I, what about like fight forward? Like, like take out the army. Like some of you are like, why, why aren't we doing that? What, what, what is this all about standing firm? But some of you, you're so focused on taking ground, and you don't realize that what, what's the point of taking ground when you don't know how to stand your ground? Like, you've got to learn how to stand your ground first before you can start to take ground. And so to, to stand firm, what you don't realize is, is to stand firm is not a passive thing. It's actually an active thing. And Mo, what Moses is saying here is Moses is saying that you're on your way to the promised land. But if you want to get there, the first step before you can reach the vision is you've got to brace yourself. Like, like you've got to stand firm, and you've got to, don't be afraid, and make a decision in your heart to, to be still. We talked about this last week, to be still in God's presence. Why? Because the moment that you get still, the moment Moses gets still here, God speaks. And so instead of Moses trying to figure it out on his own, Moses decides that, listen, we're going to stand firm, and we're going to be still, and we're going to listen so God speaks. And can I tell you that as soon as he does, as soon as he is still, as soon as the Israelites are still, God speaks to them. And God tells Moses, God says, Moses, what are you doing crying out to me? This is what scripture says. He says, what are you doing crying out to me? Stretch out your hand on the Red Sea and it'll part and you'll walk your way through. Can I tell you that Moses did exactly what God said. Moses stretched out his arms and the Red Sea parted. And the Israelites went through. And the Egyptians that were behind them, the army that was after them behind them, the Bible says that, that they followed them through. And what happened is, is as soon as the Egyptians did, God brought the Red Sea back together. And can I tell you that in one moment, every Egyptian sh soldier was destroyed. That's what happened. Is that in one moment, every Egyptian soldier was destroyed. And the Israelites, here's the amazing thing, is that the Israelites didn't even have to raise a sword. They didn't have to fight. They didn't have to pick up their shield. And all they did was they stood firm, and God spoke to them. They stood firm, and God spoke to them. And here's the thing that you need to put on your fridge, and like whenever you take it home, like, like write it on like your kids' lunch. You, you need to understand this, is that, is that if we stand firm, God will deliver and I'm speaking this over our church right now, that if we would stand firm, God is going to deliver. It's not our battle. If we would just start to stand firm, God will deliver. Can I tell you that our job is simply to stand? Our job is to be still in His presence. So the Bible says that it's not our fight, but the battle is the Lord's fight. And we're just trying to get in tune with what God is doing. Can I tell you that this vision of standing firm, this is not our vision, it's God's vision. He wants us to stand firm. Can I tell you that God wants us, God, God wants this church to grow. God wants this church uh, to build and grow more than any one of us. Like, like he wants it more than any of us. But we just have to learn how to stand firm. 
We need to learn how to be still. Why? Because then God will speak. So why do I stand firm? Why in the world should I stand firm? Here's why you should stand firm. Like, here's why the vision of this church, here's why you should do it. Here's why you should stand firm is this. is because people need to be held up. Can I tell you that there are people in your life that you need to stand firm for? You, there are people in your life that you just need to hold them up. That sometimes they just need to grab your shoulder. That, that you need that person in your life. And man, that, that's, many times I wonder as a church, like, like I, I question all the time, like, man, how can we help our friends? Like, how can we help our family? Like, how can we reach our community? How can we take the gospel to the streets? Like, like how can we do all of that? <coughs> and I wonder, I'm like, well, do we need more services? Do we need to preach more? Do we need to have more worship? And I think that's all great stuff to do. And I think all those things matter, but yet today I, feel, I still feel the Holy Spirit that he's telling us that all we have to do as a church is we just have to be willing to stand firm. We just have to be willing to stand firm. Why? Because people are broken and people are hurting. And can I tell you that people are going through hell and high water right now. Like, like, like there are some serious issues out there. But if you and I would just simply stand firm, and if we would be the church that would say, like, hey, I wish people would know our church that, hey, when you're crying, when, when you need something, you can find some people at real church that will stand up and that will hold you up. Like, we need to be that church. That's the type of place we need to be. And as we stand firm, and can I tell you that as we hold people up, I believe that people will have a fresh perspective on life. They'll have a fresh perspective on who God is. They'll have a fresh perspective on who Jesus is. And they'll have a fresh vision for what God has for them. Listen, I want us to be a church that would hold our city up. Like, can we just be the church that would hold our city up in the darkest hour? Like, when all hell breaks loose, let us be the people that would stand firm and say, God, speak to us. God, speak to me. I'm choosing to stand firm because I can promise you that if we would stand firm, he promises that he will deliver. When we stand firm, God will deliver. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads this morning? <coughs> this morning, some of you, you need to make that decision. You need to say, I'm done playing the church game. And just like Moses, I'm going to decide to stand firm and be still and wait for God to speak because we know that if we stand firm he will deliver God promises that if we stand firm he will deliver some of you you need to stand firm in your faith right now for some of you your next step is just accepting Jesus for others of you your next step is to be water baptized for others of you you need to you need to stand firm in your faith and and you need to tell somebody about it for some of you you need to stand firm for your family for others of you you, you, you need to stand firm at your workplace. For some of you, 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 just, you just need to stand firm for your friends and for other people. Can I tell you that, church, God has called us to stand firm. In the midst of the darkest hour, God has called us to stand firm. And when we stand firm, he promises that he will deliver. But for some of you, you need to stand firm in your faith right now. Can I tell you that right now is the time for you to stand firm? Right now is the time for you to say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. If that's you in this place and you say, you know what, I want to commit my heart to God. 
It's really easy. All you have to do is you have to pray a simple prayer. And just say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. And if you would just confess that with your mouth, can I tell you that you will be saved. That's your first step in standing firm. If that's you in this place and you say, I want to give Jesus my life. I'm done playing around. Today's the day. I'm going to stand firm with him. If that's you, on the count of three, I just wonder if you would just lift your hand. Are you ready? One, two, three. Would you say, I'm standing firm. I'm standing firm. Thank you. Thank you. I'm giving Jesus my life. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I'm standing firm. Would you, church, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? And Church, because we believe in this prayer, would you just pray it with me and say this with me? Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you, you've raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Would you give it up for all the people who pray that prayer today?